Welcome, everybody, to the Skill Development Playbook Podcast. I am your host, Coach TJ, Season 6, Episode number 21. Got a very special guest uh, on here today. Uh, We have Coach Yurik Michaels. Correct, correct. (laughs) I was pronouncing his name before we got started. Yes. Um, Coach, I'm excited about you being on here. I appreciate you taking some time to come on here and, and discuss a little skill development with us. Uh, before we jump in, why don't you tell everybody a little bit about yourself and uh, the three different basketball companies that you have and, and a little bit about what y'all are doing in Belgium. All right. So um, I've been doing this now for 10 years. So I started the first company, Elite Athletes, when I was uh, still in, in college, when we were, we were 19 with my best friend. It was kind of like because we were a little bit frustrated with the situation in Belgium like no one was paying attention to skill development or the athletic development. So we kind of like mixed it up, started training players for free and then things got off. So now 10 years later, we have our own 24 seven facility with like basketball court and strength and conditioning part. And then we, we started a second company called Elite Academy. So that's kind of like the, the Euro- European club model. Um, so we train kids from between 10 and 21 years old, trying to get them ready for the, the next chapter. And then we have a third company, uh, EA Basketball Camps, where we, we give camps all over the world. We have like an online platform for coaches, a player platform for players, and try to do more like yeah, international things. Man, that's, that's, that's nice. I, you know, just, I was telling him before we got, before we got started how, uh, you know, I've been following him on, on social media, on Instagram and Twitter, and uh, he really puts out some good stuff. Uh, the, the way of thinking with the coaches, the, the European style, I, I really, really enjoy that. Uh, so it's, it's, it's a bit different than some of the American coaches when it comes to, to training. Uh, so y- y'all were one of some of the first coaches that I've seen when we're really talking about the small side of games and putting the defense at a disadvantage or giving the offense the advantage and, and really working on things that way and, and with the decision-making. Um, and of course, we've seen this, you know, the the Europe, the America, the basketball game these past, well, I guess maybe 10 to 15 years has really been influenced by the European game. I mean, we can see that in the NBA and everything that happens in the NBA just kind of trickles down. Um, but we we've seen that a lot. So, uh, I'm really, really interested about having this this conversation with you today. So let's go ahead and jump in and get this thing started. Um, in your own opinion, what is skill development and how important is it to the game of basketball? Um, I think skill development is kind of like the f- foundation of, of the game. Um, so how I see skill development is we call it the super six. So you get finishing, you get shooting, you get footwork, uh, passing. Uh, decision making and shooting so those are like the the most and creating of the dribble my bet so those are like the the main six things that we focus on but i think you you can have you can have the best tactical coach you want if your kids don't have skills they will not be be good enough um and you will not be successful so for me that it's the foundation of the game we call it the, the skill work is you, you got to become amazing at the basics if you want to if you want to play at the highest level. And I think something that you said is really important and I've been trying to get coaches, especially team coaches to understand you have a foundation. 
of what you feel like is really important in your program for your players. Now, you know, if you're coaching a high school team, your, your foundation may be completely different, but you have a foundation and you mm -hmm. work from that. And that helps you get organized and you can look at a player and say, okay, well, this player is lacking these skills. Let's put together a plan to help them uh, improve or increase their ability or skills in, in this particular area. So with that, when you have that foundation, let's talk a little bit about your, your philosophy, your, uh, where do you like to hang your hat when it comes to skill development? What is it that you think is really important when you're, when you're instructing or conducting your skill development sessions? Yeah. So I think the biggest mistake that I made in my early years as a, as a skill development coach is I did a lot of stuff just on air and I always gave the instructions on what skill we work on. So I would give them everything. Like, for example, we would go creating off the dribble and I would give them 15 different moves and we were doing them versus cones and then just get a finish at the basket. And in practice, my players, they looked amazing. And I was like, oh yeah, <laughs> these there. guys, they're, they're next level. Yeah. And then we come into the games and they don't know how to read the defender. They don't know when they need to use these moves. And they're maybe using only five to 10% of all the moves that you, you teach them. So I think on that part, my philosophy changed a lot uh, over the years that I try to do everything or almost everything with the defenders and trying to create this games approach of teaching skills. And the second thing I would say is I give my players a lot more freedom. So a lot of the times I create more like situations and then I give them the options to, to work on the skills they want. Because everyone has a different play style. And I think a lot of the skills trainers, we want our players to look like this and we want them to, mm -hmm. to, to get the package that we think is best. But if you look at every NBA guy, they're all using different moves. They all have their, their own style. And I think as skills trainers, you should push players to develop and, and create also their own style. You need to give them the freedom to do that. Now, I want to hit in on the block training versus a great versus a games approach. I, I want to ask you this question here. You have a 10 year old that comes into your academy. You say you typically work with kids to, as young as 10 up to 21. 10 year old yeah. comes into your academy and they're just starting, like played yeah. outside in the backyard with some friends, but really yeah. don't know a whole lot. How do you how do you leverage or how do you balance the block training of teaching the kid how to yeah. to shoot versus the games approach? Yeah, so I, I would start definitely blocked. I would I would do a lot of um, on air stuff to get them first of all get them comfortable, get them, give them the opportunity to learn and also have some success. But definitely also in every practice, for example, last week I had a, a, a mini camp. So it's kind of like a mini basket for kids under 12. And a lot of them, they were just starting with, with basketball. Yeah. And I would still do games, but like maybe 80% skills, 20% games. But in the games, I would give, make the advantage so big that they would almost still like 50% of the times get, get an open shot or an open layup to get to give them some kind of success, but right. in a game situation. Because if you ask kids what do you like about basketball, they want to play a game. Yeah. They all want that. That's the thing that gives them the most excitement. So you need to find that balance between 
making games so easy that they still develop, but they have some kind of success rate. And on the other hand, I think give them the tools to be successful in that game uh, by starting uh, on air and, and still, yeah. I would say definitely if I look at the academy, until my under 15s, I would still do a lot of, of the basics on air um, to give them, to teach the details. But as soon as they mastered the basics, with my under 18s, for example, I don't do anything on air. It's all immediately in a, in a game's approach. Yeah, so all the coaches that's listening, uh, I, I think he gave you some <laughs> a good formula for when you're working with, with, with different kids. Because sometimes we as coaches, especially some American coaches in, in skill development, they are here, we got to have more of a game's approach but they don't really understand what that means. So they think that every time I'm on the court with a kid, it's gotta be a defender. And I'm, yeah. I keep saying like block training is not the, the, the preference, but it's a starting point. So we can't just say that we don't do any block training. Block training yeah. is a starting point for those kids or those players or athletes that are just starting. And it's also yeah. good if we wanna get up a high number of reps. So I'm sure, there's been times you had a player come in and, and you say, hey, we're just going to do some shooting. You just need to get some reps up. But you're not going to do that every time they come into the gym. Yeah. So we have to understand that difference between the block training versus the random or games approach type type training. Yeah, and, and I think right now there's there's kind of like this upmarks of, of coaches saying, ah, blocked or on air is it's terrible. You can't do right. it. But it's first of all, like if you look at the top 10 NBA guys, mm -hmm. I'm sure a lot of them only did block practice. They never heard of the game's approach. I, I follow all these NBA skills trainers. They, they work with guys like James Harden. I haven't seen a single defender, you know, like they're, yeah, right. they're doing ba basic stuff. So there are different ways to get there. And I think it's not black and white. It's not black and white. Like right. uh, game's approach is this is the stuff and on air now it's 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 not i think the best way is a mix mm -hmm. and it for example sometimes i mix it up like if i have on my under 18s like six guys they can really shoot the ball i put them in when we work on shooting they go immediately with a like two versus one situation with a defender mm -hmm. and then my other six guys i put on the other basket they don't get out of the paint because they don't have their form yet so you can also differentiate within your team who's ready for what level. Yeah. And another good example is two of the best players of our national team who I work with, like one of the guys, he only wants to do games approach because he feels so, more, so much more comfortable with it. Yeah. But the other guy, like the point guard of the national team, he's probably the, the most skilled player we ever done. And he only wants to do one-on-all training the entire summer. He doesn't okay. want to have a single defender. He doesn't yeah. want to have, uh, he doesn't want to do like two-on-two two or three-on-three. Three. He just want to have blocked practice. And they're both really successful and they're both really skilled. So it can also depend on, yeah, everyone learns different. So, and I, yeah. and I think I think it's important for when we're working with younger players, to understand that I can't try to emulate something that James Harden does, right? So if James Harden is, and he may not train against 
two or three defenders and do a lot of two on two, three on three, because he's trying to protect his body. And as a coach, we got to realize that, okay, well, James is doing block training because he's trying to protect his body because, you know, his body is worth 100, 200, <laughs> something million dollars. <laughs> so he's not trying to get out there with two or three players and twist an ankle or something like that. But we got to understand, too, that if I'm working with a 10, 11, 12-year-old or even if someone is 16, 17, they may not be ready to do some of the things that we see the NBA guys, some of the NBA guys do. Yeah. Uh, so it's in season. Well, here, here in our <laughs> state, no season. it's in season for us. Um, but yeah. in the past, um, uh, I know you've worked with players throughout the year. So when in season comes, a lot of coaches, team coaches don't really spend a whole lot of time on skill development. Let's talk about an approach that coaches can take for in-season skill development. So what's kind of your approach when it comes to in-season and still getting players their, their skill development? Yeah, I think it's for all age groups, even from pros to, to little kids, I think they all should benefit from skill training in-season also. Um, but I think the, the best is kind of like mixed training. So where you can, you can both work on your tactics and your style of play and your triggers and at the same time work on your on your skills because your, your skills can be the warm-up that lead into your games and if you play small-sided games like two and two two versus one the three on three those are things where all your skills still still need to be used um i i personally i never do five on five uh, it doesn't matter with, with what age groups, um, but because I, I think as a skills trainer, like I want to get my players as much touch as, as possible. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I think I always try to get, I'd rather have, for example, like two guys, two groups play three on three on both sides, then have like one group play five on five, but that's um, from a skill development approach. Um, but for example, even with my pro guys, I can get them to do skill work in 50 minutes. So sometimes on, on game day, in the morning, they come in and, for example, I have a, a wing uh, who's a great catch and shoot guy. And we do 15 minutes, all situations where he, that he can get into the game from spot up shooting to react to uh, drive, kick out, relocate, catch the ball, shoot the three come over screens, come over handoffs. And we do 50 minutes and that's more than enough. And that's one or two times a week and that it helps them. So yeah. I don't think it needs to be a massive amount of time that you spend there, even with, if you're training with seniors. But what I see from is with my guys who work really good in the off season is they start preseason super good, their skill work, is amazing and then it just goes down during the season because they yeah they just stop taking shots yeah. and i think one of the the guys from canada basketball he, he kind of like did a study how many shots does an average player takes in a in a practice um we, and he, he went to see multiple coaches multiple teams different levels and i think he came up with something like 36 shots wow so an average player takes 36 shots in a practice. So yeah. we take 36 shots in like two minutes. So it's, you know, it's, you, 
how can you make your players better if, if you get that amount of time? And that's if you happens if you take if you spend three quarters of your practice on on just playing five on five. Yeah. So a couple couple of takeaways from that, uh, coaches. So going back to what he said in the beginning, when we talked about skill development and the foundation, right? So those are some of the things that you can focus on when you're doing in-season skill development is whatever your three, four, five, six foundational skills are, you're coaching the team. When you have in-season, you can, you can work on those. And you can work within a limited number of, of minutes. It doesn't have to be an extended, minute, uh, ex extended amount of time, 15 minutes. I've heard uh, 10 minutes before. I've heard 20 minutes. But 20 minutes is the longest I've heard from anyone mm -hmm that um, talk about in-season skill development. Typically it's 20 minutes or less, especially with the G League, NBA coaches, and they mm -hmm. may spend 10 minutes of that looking at film, which is something we'll talk about here in a, in a minute. But it can be, it can be done, it can be done and it should be done. And also what you're talking about, going over some of the things they're gonna do in the game. So replicating those game actions that they're gonna get uh, 15, 20 minutes max is, is great for a uh, skill development because it has to be done. I really think that that's, mm -hmm. that's a, that's a need and that's an approach that needs to be taken more with, uh, with coaches. So um, let's talk about uh, player coach relationships. So you've been doing this for 10 years. You have an academy, uh, you do camps, you do online things with, with players and coaches. How important is it for a player coach to have a relationship? Cause I feel like that builds trust and then that creates buy-in. So how do you build relationships with the players that, that you get a chance yeah. to uh, train? First of all, I think the, the relationships are more, more important than your knowledge of basketball as a coach. So, I, and that's maybe a little, little bit of extreme, but I believe in that. I think like if you can give your players the feeling and actual believe in them mm -hmm. and they trust you and they can come to you about anything then you're going to get the most out of it right. like for example if i look at my career when i was younger i had i had coaches who were like national team coaches first division coaches and there was zero relationship they had all the knowledge but no one was having fun in practices they were always yelling they didn't show you much respect uh they didn't give you a hand when you when you walked in they didn't call your name when you when you when they talked to you and they may be on paper the best coaches in the whole country but they couldn't create no vibe and they didn't get the most out of the players and what i see for example right now is if i see a, a, a coach who who maybe coached us two three years in our in our youth and we see them in the gym they don't even come and say hi. There is there is no connection, wow. and there are a lot of, of guys like that. And I, to be honest, I think the the best coaches. I always say this for me. The definition of a best coach is the coach who can make their players' eyes shine. If mm -hmm. if your eyes are shining as a player, yeah. then you're doing an amazing job as a coach. Yeah. And I've seen coaches who don't know shit about the game. I see them do things in practice that I think, oh my God, these guys are <laughs> never gonna they're never gonna get better. But the kids, yeah. they love them. They love and them. And yep. if I have kids, I'd rather send them to that coach 
who doesn't know shit about the game, but he makes yeah. it super fun and the kids love them. Then I want to get that national team coach who's acting like a jerk all the time. So definitely key for us. Also in our academy, we create, uh, we recruit our coaches firstly on personality. I, we call it CMP per, people and CMP stands for certified nice person. Certified nice person, I like that. Yeah. <laughs> so we yeah. want the guys who can build that connection with, with the kids. Um, how do you can connect with kids? How can you build them trust? Uh, a lot of things like, for example, we call it connections. You need to make as much connections as possible. Mm -hmm. um, cool story, for example, like one of the, the guys who, uh, nothing to do with basketball, but for example, what I read about Steve Jobs mm -hmm. is um, his company was getting so big with Apple. And he said like the, the biggest thing a company should have is community. You need to have relationships. You need to have connections. So what he did when, in his company is they had three entrances. He skipped it down to one and he made sure they had to scan. So they had to wait in lines to get in. The second oh, thing wow. he did is instead of having like uh, three uh, places where you can get coffee, we're going to make it into one. So all the people have to come in here. Toilets, we skipped uh, two floors of toilets. So they all have to come to the same toilet. And what is that happen is something that normally should take you like one minute. Now it's going to take you five because you ran into people, you start talking and you build friendships and, and that creates that culture and everyone gets to know each other instead of that. Everyone stays on their same yeah. floor. Yeah. And that's the same thing. I think you should try to do in, in your club or in, in your team is you want to create a bond with the guys and, yeah, to be honest, I 100% believe that that's way more important than your knowledge of the game if you want to get the most out of your players. Yeah, relationships is huge. You got to have those relationships. Um, you hear former players talk about their college coaches and what they did for them. And a lot of times, not about what they did for them on the court. It's what they've done for them off the court or, or how they treated them as a human being and as a person. So. Yeah. That's 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 very important right there. Yeah, so, I got I got a cool wait, I got a cool story about that. Actually, like two yeah. days ago, uh, I got a message from one of our players, and he decided he wants to study to become a doctor. So mm -hmm. he's actually leaving the academy, and he wants to study in uh, in another country. Uh, so he's, he just turned eighteen, and he sent me this really long text message because yeah, with the lockdown, we haven't seen each other in like six months. It's crazy. And uh, he said, like, coach, I've been with the academy for many years. I learned so many things, but the most important things that I learned are all off the court. Mm. So that yeah. that's the thing that for me, like, then I, I know this, was been, this has been a great journey. And he's not going to do anything with basketball right. in his life. Right. But we, we gave him something much bigger than that. So, yeah. yeah. Yep. For me, that's, that, that's the same as one of my other guys, maybe next year will be a pro. Uh, we did the same amount of, of great job with both of them, you know, like, mm -hmm. okay, one kid makes his dream in basketball, but another kid, now it helped him to, to make life choices. Mm -hmm. Same thing. It, it's, it's more than basketball that you should think of as, as a coach. It's about changing lives. You know, it'd be great if every kid came through your program and, and they were able to 
play professional or play on the national team and do all these great things in basketball. But at the end of the day, we know majority of those players are not going to do that. So we got to be able to have some type of change or some type of influence or effect on them in a positive way that they can take what we learned on this basketball court and apply it to their life or other areas of their life. So we know that they came in a certain way and then they, they're leaving a better person. And if we can do that, and if that's our goal, then we're doing a good job. But I feel yeah. like, you know, you do have people with hidden, hidden agendas and they're not doing it for the right reason. But for the most part, mm-hmm. if you do it for that reason, you'll be, you'll be taken care of. True. So let's talk about some small-sided games and decision-making. Uh, now, you don't have to necessarily give us specific small-sided games or drills that you do, but just kind of what's your approach to decision making, um, a lot of coaches are looking for more information on <laughs> on decision making with their players. So, what's the academy's approach to teaching uh, decision making? Yeah, I think it comes down to what we do is we maximize maximum give three uh, point of emphasis. So you can never do more than if I if I say you need to, for example, first option is drive, second option read the food, third option, go into a handoff, fourth option is shoot, mm-hmm. uh, fifth option is jab into a load step, sixth option is go yeah. the dribble. And then I ask him, what is the first option? You're like, oh, I don't know, <laughs> right. I don't know anymore. Yeah. So you, you can only, I think too many coaches, they give too many things. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think always give the maximum three, three options. Um, that's, that's what we do. And I feel like that that works really good. And the second thing is what works even stronger than giving them options is I think if you can become really good in creating your drills that the read becomes natural, mm-hmm. then it makes them it makes it may way easier. So for example, for me, I think it's way stronger that a kid finds it out themselves that it works instead of me having to say it up front, like you need to see for this option. So yeah. I, when I teach my, my, my games approach or my drills, I always let them play first. And then we're gonna break it down like, all right, stop. Why did that work? Uh, what didn't work? And then I let the feedback come from the players. Mm-hmm. And then normally they come to those three options. So a, a great thing is, for example, like attacking closeouts, that's, the, the thing that you see is a lot of the kids, they, when they catch the ball, they immediately get their eyes to the floor. Right. And then you see like, ah, the closeout is always perfect in place and they cannot create anything. Why? Because the closeout can stop two meters up front because you don't have your eyes towards the basket. So now, even if you're not a great shooter, but you catch the ball and you immediately get your eyes up, the closeout will automatically be more aggressive. And now you get more options to drive. But those are like things that I don't want to say up front. I let the kids figure it out right. and then try to get it out of them. Yeah, asking questions, allowing them, like you say earlier, uh, have some freedom and explore a little bit. Yeah. Um, and then you can put them in certain situations that can help them with those skills. So you, you have to, as, uh, as skill coaches, we have to really be in tune with what's going on. Um, yeah. We can put together a plan. We can put together, we're going to do this drill. We're going to transition into this. But there's nothing wrong with stopping and spending a little extra time on 
on a particular situation or a particular skill, especially if, if attention is needed in that area. Um, so, you know, again, two, three options, give them two or three reads and allow them to explore a little bit and, and kind of move on from there. Um, so let's talk a little bit about film. Uh, film is something I've really been trying to get into a lot more here lately. Um, let's talk about how you like to use film from an individual standpoint and improving the uh, individual player skill. So what do you, what do you like to do with film? Yeah. So first of all, what I did is from that super six, I made a, where I believe in the most important skills of the game. I made a film, uh, a complete breakdown of every one of those skills. So it's like everything together comes in one 10 minute breakdown. So those are like videos that we see multiple times the year. And then the way I like to do film is I make it a little bit of a quiz. So if you show a 10 minute video to the kids, also they like basketball, but after three minutes they go, <laughs> Because yeah. they have a, definitely the kids right now, they have a really short attention span. Yeah. So I say, all right, when I watch film, after the film, we're going to do a little bit of a quiz about it. And then I write down, I write down 10, 15 questions. And then you're going to see the, the kids going to be way more engaged when you watch film. Mm -hmm. But the same thing is the way I like to watch film is instead of dictate everything, always like ask questions like, what did you see? what do you think was great also very important you need to focus also on the positive points i see too many guys and yeah. coaches in film they're like ah oh, this is bad this is bad this is bad no show what works i rather show what works than show what didn't work mm -hmm. um so you gotta find that balance in between but yeah i love to ask questions um when we see film and let them figure it out themselves um and just important is like if they give a bad answer you need to like go a little bit around. It's not like, nah, that's not true. You right. need to find some way to that it's okay to let players talk. And also what I like to do is just like cold pick them. So what, what do we, what I mean with that is if you ask a question on your team, it's always going to be the same guys who have their hand up. Yeah. So instead of always letting those guys talk, like, no, I'm, I'm going to pick you and I'm going to pick you. And then they learn to talk for an, uh, an audience because for a lot of guys it's scary to talk for an entire yeah. team yeah um and it's it also yeah no one is can can back down they all need to think and if mm -hmm. for example if he says the wrong answer then you pick another guy and say what would you change or how do you think we can improve his answer and then that way we build on it uh right. instead of letting immediately always one smart guy giving all the answers immediately yeah yeah i was talking to uh the person i interviewed yesterday we were talking about critical thinking and mm -hmm. a lot of the players the younger players you know because i'm i'm 41 so <laughs> my when, when i was in school in high school and junior high you know we didn't have access to technology like we do now so it's it's i'm not saying it's a bad thing but we had to actually go and try to research stuff in a different way and and our critical yeah. thinking we had to use that we had to massage that more um so a lot of these kids you know the answers are easy for them to find you know they can go to google look up mm -hmm. something they get the answer so when we are asking questions and a player doesn't know 
And that leads to another question, or we ask an, another player to, to uh, you know, to dive deeper into that, or what's another solution. It gets everybody to thinking. And yeah. they're trying to figure this thing out versus, like you say, just telling them the answer or just saying, no, that's not it. This is the answer. Um, so critical thinking is really important and that helps with decision making. Yeah. So all this kind of goes together. So I hope everybody that's listening and understand that, you know, like you said, skill development isn't black and white, but there are a lot of working parts into this. You know, starting with your foundation, uh, understanding how to evaluate your players, knowing what their strengths and weaknesses are, uh, knowing the difference between block training versus games approach and when to do block training, when to do games approach. Uh, when you take it off the court and you're using film and how to ask questions and what to expect of them. And so all of that, all that works together. Yeah. And I, I think another way that we, we use a lot is social media. So for example, with our, with our clubs, we have for each team, we have an, uh, an Instagram group mm -hmm. and what our coaches do an amazing job is, is like, Every day, at least one coach posts something in the group, like a clip we can find of uh, NBA or uh, whatever, uh, so, some kind of, of page on, on Instagram. And they post the, the, the clip into the group. And then they ask a question like, from what action did they score? And then a kid says, ah, it's a staggered, it's a blur, it's a, it's a ghost, uh, whatever. And then, for example, like they do it from that standpoint and then I can, post something from their play, favorite players like what move did KD use to to get past the defender mm -hmm. and I, I use a lot of the their heroes their NBA players because mm -hmm. they all look up to those guys yeah. so if you can say all right the next series is called the KD series and we're gonna do uh, two of his go-to moves then the kids are like oh yeah, yeah. I want to do that you know like and yeah. so you need you need to yeah, you need to be in their mind. Like, what are those kids? They're on their phone every day. And all, some of them are on their phone five, six hours a day. So you can have way more impact than just your, your hours in the evening if you're also on your phone. If you can send them clips uh, during the day or, yeah, try to use that medium also as a learning. Or, for example, you say to the kids, uh, this is a very interesting page about basketball. The, the guys who, who want to get better uh, follow that page. Yeah. And maybe only 10% of your kids do it, mm -hmm. but at least it's 10% where you had an impact on. So, yeah, try to think on the, the way the kids think right now. So do you have any additional advice that you would like to share with, with our coaches and players that may be listening? Oh, what I could say to coaches is, if they're listening, they're already doing a good job. But I, I think the, the, the best coach is a lot of time the guy will, will stick to doing his research consistently. And he's always like the life, lifelong learner. I think those are a lot of the times the best coaches. I think the moment you stop learning is the moment you stagnate and your career stops. So I ask a lot, a lot of coaches ask me like, how can I become a great coach? And it's just easy. You get You just got to do your research and don't be afraid to experiment. I try something new on the court every day and uh, maybe 30% is shit. And then I throw it away, but at least I learned something of it. Yeah. So don't be afraid to try new things and yeah, try to learn from as much people as possible. That's, that's I think the key to becoming a, yeah, a great coach. 
Well, man, why don't you let everybody know how they can get in contact with you on social media and uh, also plug anything that you may have going on right now. Yeah, so uh, easiest thing is to reach me on Instagram or Twitter. Um, then what we try to do is we try to be truly transparent about our academy and, and the way we work with young kids still pros. So we get like an online platform for coaches. It's kind of like a database with like videos, blog posts, but it goes way further than just drills, like how to deal with parents, uh, things like that, uh, the athletic part also. And then right now we're working on, on something new, some kind of like a, a masterclass in teaching the super six. So like really going in depth in like all the fundamentals of each part of the, the basic fundamentals. So that's going to be done in, in a couple months, but they can find that on our, on our website, eliteathletes.be. Well, that's it for today's show. I appreciate everyone that tuned in. I hope you found it valuable and informative. If you like today's show, please share on social media and tag me. I can be found on Twitter and Instagram. My handle is at NBNBball. Also, be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts and please give me a five-star rating. Also, be sure to check out my book, The Skill Development Playbook. This book will help you understand how to get organized and know what real skill development is. It can be found on my website by visiting tjonesfirm.com forward slash SDP hyphen book. Paperback is $9.99. The PDF version is $3.95. And also going to be found on Amazon. Just search skill development playbook and it should pop up. It's $9.99 for the paperback or $3.99 for the Kindle version. Now, if you need to contact me for anything skill development related, I can be reached by email at info at tjonesfirm.com. That's info at tjonesfirm.com. Again, I appreciate you for tuning in. Until next time, thank you. God bless.